listening to the New Life Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. For more info on service times and locations, you can find us at newlifefoursquare.org. In this episode, Pastor Mike covers 1 John chapter 4 for our new series, Love Chapters, with a dynamic message on abiding in his love and learning to love better. Hey, Valentine's Day is on Friday, right? This Friday. Um, has anybody not bought a gift yet? I'm, this, this is my hand because I didn't. No? You guys are on the board. Uh, so we're in a series on love. And uh, for whatever reason, I always get the Sunday closest to Valentine's Day. So I'm going to do my yearly thing and share Valentine's Day statistics with you. Because I love it. Um, there's an estimated $27.4 billion that will be spent this year on Valentine's Day. Yeah, 27.4. That's up 32% from last year. See, that's how I feel. $2.4 billion will be spent on candy. Can't, how many of you guys like getting candy on Valentine's Day? Yeah, take note. Yeah. Um, $5.8 billion on jewelry. $2.3 billion on flowers. 30% of flower sales happen on Valentine's Day for the whole year. 30% on Valentine's Day. $2.8 billion on gift cards. I love giving gift cards because it's easy. You let people buy. Some people think it's insensitive, but I'm like, no. Here, you buy what you want to buy. But $1.3 billion will be spent on greeting cards. That seems silly to me. When I get greeting cards, I'm... I'm I'm be honest, if you've given me greeting cards, I will cherish them for like two days. But they, you, 90% of the time I throw them away. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 53% of women said they would leave their significant other if they didn't receive a gift on Valentine's Day. How many of you, you're like, how many ladies you say, if you don't give me a Valentine's Day, you're sleeping on the couch. You don't give me something. Sleeping in the hall, you better go get a hotel or something because you ain't welcome here. The average man spends $350 on Valentine's Day. What? Right? Some of you ladies are like, um, excuse me. You took me to dinner at TJI Fridays last year. The average woman spends 90 Right? $90. I feel like it's not even a, a holiday for guys. There are 9 million marriage proposals on Valentine's Day. Any, any ladies you got proposed to on Valentine's Day? I, I, I imagine it feels like a fail-safe, like they can't say no to me on this day, but whatever. This is a day where like, people like to f- celebrate their singleness, but your day is September 22nd, Okay. That's National Singles Awareness Day, actually. Yeah. There are $9.5 billion spent on unwanted gifts. Top, one, top unwanted gifts, tools. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Go fix the sink that I've been telling you to fix for the last year. Gym memberships. Hey, honey, I noticed you put on some weight this year. After I got you those chocolates, I figured I'd get you a gym membership. What? Kitchen appliances. My wife actually told me. She's like, I want this set of pots and pans. You could buy it for me for a gift. And I'm like, 
I feel like you're tricking me. I'm not going to do that. We could just get it, but I'm not buying it for you as like a present. Um, and one of the most, one of the things that people want the least is mixtapes. That one kind of threw me for a loop. Um, because when I was a kid, that was my go-to. When I was trying to tell a girl I liked her, is a mixtape. I get it today, right? What would you do? You go on Spotify and make a playlist and text it to them? That loses the meaning, right? You get a cassette tape. You wrote like, hey, baby, this is for you. You put some hearts on it, right? But a mixtape, like before CDs even, like it took, it took a lot of time. First time I ever made a mixtape, 1996, there was this girl I liked. Her name was Lisa. And so I made her a mixtape, right? And everything, when you're a kid, like when you talk on the phone, you know, Boys to Men was big back then. So when I would answer the phone, I'd try to be like Michael McCary, you know, the, the, the bass baby. I'm sorry. So I'd be like, hello. Yeah, what's up, girl? Yeah, I'm making you this mixtape. Right? So I made her this mixtape. Okay, but, but you had to, like, it, sometimes if you wanted to be really meticulous, it took days. You got to listen to the radio. That's how I did it, right? You listen to the radio. You wait for the right song. As soon as the DJ stops, you hit record. You listen to it. You hit record before the DJ comes, or you hit stop before they come back in. And you got to make sure you get all the hits, right? Some of the hits. Um, Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Even if Mariah Carey's not your jam, like, that's a, that's a song that says, Always Be My Baby, right? Like, you, you, you love this person. Um, Keith Sweat had two hits on the radio. You guys know Keith Sweat? Um, Twisted and Nobody. Um, D'Angelo had Lady in 1996. That was a good one. Uh, Babyface wrote 27 love songs in 1996. Probably could have used any of them. Um, or uh, Jewel. Anybody know Jewel? She wrote the song, You Were Meant For Me. Like, those are all good ones you could put on there. Um, you're like, I don't know any of that stuff. Pastor Mike, I was Christian. So maybe you made a mixtape that had DC Talk, uh, Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Amy Grant, maybe throw in some Petra. You named it the, you're cute, but not cute enough for my salvation, so you need to get with Jesus. So here's some worship songs. Listen to this, surrender your heart to Christ, and then we can go to a group dinner. <laughs> so, sorry. Um, anyway, we're talking, we're talking about love. Uh, we got to be people who, who love. People who love. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, I love you. Look at the other person. Tell them, I love you. Man, some of you, you're like, that's so awkward. I don't know who's sitting on the other side of me. <laughs> gotta be people who love, people who show it, people who give it. Yeah. It's gotta be different than mixtape love, where we're letting somebody else in their form of song communicate it, right? It's gotta be different than, like, man, I love the Lakers. I love sushi. I love you, sweetheart, right? Like, is the same love that you have for sushi the same love that you have for your significant other? Like, no, I love sushi way more, <laughs> right? But the way we love people has to look different than just the word we throw around. I love that. Deep. I spent a lot of deep theological thought for this key thought. Love better. I know that doesn't make grammatical or English sense, really. It's not a complete sentence, but love better. We've got to love better. We have to do better when it comes to loving people. Right? We miss the mark. We fall short. We treat people poorly. We gossip. We make jokes. We cast, cast judgment. And I, don't, I don't think any of us can, can claim complete innocence here. Right, We all need to do a better job at loving better. So we're going to look at bits and pieces of uh, 1 John chapter 4. 
Starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Let's pray. Father, help us to be people who love you better, to, to be people who love your people better. Uh, Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, John starts this in a cool way, right? He says, beloved, he says, those who are loved, let us love. You're loved, so let's love others, right? We're not commanded to love one another. It doesn't say, love one another, and you will earn God's love. Love one another, and, and you will go to heaven. Since you've been loved, let us love. We love one another because we're loved by God. Having received that love, our job is to love everyone else in kind, right? It's to be good lovers. It's um, the last time I'll say lovers. Uh, the church that this letter is addressed to was like coming apart at the seams. People are leaving because of false teaching. Um, others are just walking away from their faith. And when we have this constant issues and turmoil within the church, it becomes, it becomes fertile ground for hatred to grow. It becomes a place where... Um, People, it's, it's easy for them to lose love for one another and to just become nasty, right? So we can look at this and say, that's terrible. Like, why would they do this? But the reality is all of us at some point, either in the past or maybe even currently, we harbor resentment and anger and maybe even hatred towards other people at times, right? People that don't look like us, people that don't act like us, people that don't vote like us, right? We want to get mad at somebody because they're a Republican or a Democrat. Well, this is how Jesus would act. Look at, li listen, if you ask, like if you ask me, Pastor Mike, can you prove to me that Jesus is a Democrat from scriptures? Yes, I can. Then if you came and said, Pastor Mike, can you prove to me that Jesus is a Republican from scriptures? Yeah, I could do that too, right? Stop it. Stop saying God loves you more than the other person. Like, knock it off. <laughs> That's funny. Um, anyway, <laughs> we have to stop doing this, right? When I don't want to show someone love, if I don't want to love somebody, I can absolutely rationalize it in my head. I can give you a PowerPoint presentation of all the things that they did wrong to prove to you that they don't respect me and don't deserve my love, and then nothing you can say is going gonna, is gonna to be able to take me off of my soapbox at that point, right? I'm really good at justifying my actions. That doesn't make it right. It's wrong. It's not good. You shouldn't do that. In light of the love that God has shown us, there's absolutely no reason for us to not love one another. Romans 13, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law, right? Most of us at some point, we're trying to figure out how to do this Christianity thing. What do I do? What do I say? How do I please God? How do I do this? How do I make people happy, right? Paul's saying, love people. Love people and you will fulfill God's law. Love people. Look at somebody you didn't come to church with. Say, I love you. I love you. <laughs> Linda, you're, you're awesome. <laughs> We can go on and on about this, but the point is we need to love better. Yes. Thank you. Love is proof that you truly know God. John goes, oh, didn't have that. Man, I've been missing the mark on my slides lately. John says in verse eight, anyone who does not know, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Right, if love comes from God, then those who claim to be born of God and claim to know God must be able to show love for others. 
You have to. Not just the people it's easy to love. When you look at scripture, it's good to um, like study the words. Like, what does this word mean? Right, so take the word uh, no. The word no here is pronounced um, genosko. There's a lot of different ways that you can translate that word from Greek into no. So we've got to figure out what it means. That word in Greek is genosko, and what it means is uh, knowledge by experience. Right? So when John says anyone who does not love God does not know God, he's saying anyone who does not love has not truly experienced God's love. Right? Maybe you were scared into uh, praying a prayer of salvation and then you just came to church every week after that. Maybe you've never really experienced God's love. If you haven't, then it makes sense that you're not able to love people. Right? But for those of us who have experienced God's love, we are left without excuse There is no reason for us to be angry and nasty towards people. Man, in the church even, think about this. You get mad at somebody, and you're having dinner with your friends on Saturday night, and you're like, did you hear what Pastor Mike said? Did you hear what so-and-so did, right? I can't believe them. I just can't wait until I'm going to quit serving. Eventually, I'm going to find a new church. And then you come on Sunday morning, and you're like, hi, brother, how are you? Oh, my gosh. Get out of here with that fake noise. You need Jesus. This is a God who gave his son, died for our sins, forgave us, continues to forgive us, blesses us, gives us his spirit, removes all fear and doubt. You name it. God does everything to show us his love. But we feel justified in being a jerk? Man, that is not okay. But if that's not been your experience, let's change it. Because the Jesus that I know is amazing. And if you've never really experienced him, I want to talk to you about that later. All right, let's learn who God really is and experience the the life-giving and life-changing love that he has to offer. You guys with me? If you don't love other people, then you don't really know God. John said that, not me. You want to get mad at somebody, get mad at John. But that's a sobering reality check for some of us, right? We have to stop playing church. Be real with people. If you're mad, tell them, I'm mad at you. Why are you mad at me? Because you did this. Oh man, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean for that to happen. It's okay. I forgive you. That was easy. I get it. It looks a little bit more messy than that sometimes, right? But I'll help mediate for you. My wife will help mediate. I just volunteered her, right? We want this to be a place where there's reconciliation and love because we don't want people to come in and see us mad at each other. Why are we going to ask people to come in and worship when we're being jerks to each other, right? Okay. God loves you. He doesn't love some faraway, perfected version of you. He loves the you that's sitting here today, right? Let God love you for who you are. Let that love change you in the person that God has called you to be, and let that love cause you to love others. Transform you into a person who loves He is our guide. God is our focal point. When it comes to how we love, um, we should be looking at him, right? So let's take a look at what Christian love looks like. Christian love makes sacrifices. It says this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. Love is not stingy. It's not conditional. It's not transactional. Right, love doesn't withhold itself until certain criteria are met. 
love just does. It gives, it sacrifices for no other reason than for just the reason of love. Jesus says this to his disciples, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I've loved you. Jesus loved us sacrificially. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, does this mean the only way to love someone is to die for them? No, you don't have to catch a grenade for them, throw your hand on a blade for them, jump in front of a train for them. Like, despite the, what Bruno Mars says, like, that's not the only way to show love, right? You don't just have to lay your life down. Honestly, your love should not look like any Bruno Mars song. <laughs> Versace on the floor, that's not love. That's not real either. That's not what love, anyway. Um, our love for others has to go further than words, has to go further than gifts, it has to go further than text messages, it has to go further than phone calls, it has to go further than obligatory posts on Instagram on anniversaries and birthdays and Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day. Like, just post something. If you love them that much, say something about it on Instagram on a, on a normal Thursday, right? But we love to... What do I say? How do I say it? Let me read what my friends are saying about their spouse so I could try to pick and choose how I want to say things. It's ridiculous. But love is more than that, right? So what kind of sacrifices can we make? Well, with God, sacrifice looks like offering ourselves fully to him, right? Romans 12. Be a living sacrifice. Be transformed. Live a life that's holy and pleasing so you'll be able to find out what God's will is. In marriage, it looks like, sacrifice looks like mutual submission to one another, at times, this looks like putting the needs of your spouse above your own needs. For those of you with kids, sacrifice often means time. It means time away from something that is less important, right? Time away from a job or taking time off to go on vacation with your kids or go to their games or just spending time with them, teaching them, talking to them, showing your love to them. Not just getting mad and be like, hey, you know I love you, right? No, Dad, I don't know you love me because you don't spend time with me. Sacrificial love is volunteering to help others. It's giving to help those without. Sacrifice means loving the marginalized in society. Who did Jesus spend most of his time with? Prostitutes, outsiders, tax collectors. He touched and healed the diseased. He befriended women and called them into ministry in God's kingdom when nobody else would do that. Right, sacrificial love breaks down barriers and says, I don't care what you look like, how you dress, what you said about me, what you've done, I don't care as long as you love me. No, I'm just kidding, that's another song. But <laughs> sacrificial love breaks down barriers and loves, right? But in the church, we tend to like build these massive walls. Oh, you wanna be loved? Dress this way, talk this way, use this language, don't listen to this music, do this, do that, do all those things and we'll love you. I don't want to be a part of a church like that and this isn't a church like that, so I want to be a part of this church. You guys are great. Um, we show preferential treatment oftentimes. We avoid people who make us feel uncomfortable. We make our love look more like the love of the Pharisees than the love of Jesus. That's not right. We have to stop doing that, okay? Love sacrifices. Christian love initiates. 
Christian love initiates. Uh, in this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us first and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. How many married or dating couples in the room? Come on, raise your hands. Come on. All right. Um, keep your hand up if you were the first person that said I love you in the relationship. How come there's not a lot of, you guys are arguing about it right now, aren't you? <laughs> it's mostly guys. Most of the time, it's men. Um, that's what I have found to, to be true. Most of the time, it's the man that says, I love you first, right? If you do it like after a first date, but even Christians sometimes, like, you're ready to get married after the first date. You're like, will you marry me? No, I just met you, and we had one dinner at Applebee's. <laughs> that's where Christians go to dinner. Applebee's. Oh, one dinner at Applebee's. No, I'm not marrying you. I said I love you first. I'm going to actually, let me paint you this picture. Christina and I were in Pismo Beach. We just ate clam chowder at Splash Cafe, best clam chowder in the world. We walked down to the beach. We're holding hands. I'm nervous. My hand is all sweaty. I'm a grown adult, right? We sit down on a bench. It's cold and windy, so she's close. I'm like, got my arm around her. Well, she, because she knows what's coming. I'm like, <clears throat> baby, baby, baby. No, I'm like, I say, you know, I gave her this speech and I end it with, and I, I, I think I'm, I'm falling in love with you. Right? Come on. She goes, I'm getting there. rejected she said at least I was honest you, you broke my heart whatever she married me so it's okay <laughs> but John makes it clear that there is no argument about who loved who first he said God loved first not that we love God but that he loved us and he did something about it God initiated. Ephesians says before we knew God, right, before we experienced his love, we were dead in our sins. He loved us even though our actions showed that we despised him. He loved us even though we weren't worthy of it. Have you ever withheld love and affection from someone because they treated you poorly? Of course you haven't, Linda. <laughs> Follow Linda as she follows Christ. Okay. You like get mad at your spouse, right? And then you normally say I love you and kiss before you go to bed, but they made you mad, so I'm not gonna do that. So they're gonna know I'm mad at them. And then the next day, you're like, I'm not, I'm not gonna wake up and make coffee. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say I love you. I'm not gonna say bye. I'm just going to work. I'm gonna wait for them to call me. And you let it ruin your day, and they don't even care. Stop withholding that stuff. Don't withhold love and affection. Remember, I can do that. I'm really good at doing this, but it's bad. Huh. Christian love initiates. It makes the first move. It doesn't wait for a list of demands to be met before it reveals itself. Paul said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the miracle of God's grace. God loved a, a society, a race of prodigals and rebels. 
a bunch of humans that didn't want anything to do with him. That's who he chose to love. He loves the castaways and the rejects, the unloved and the unwanted. All of us were there at some form in our lives. Right, because sin levels the playing field. Sin doesn't care how rich or poor you are, how good looking you are, what good of a job you have, what you drive, where you live. We all were dead in our sins and God chose to love us. God initiated. And it's this kind of love that we are commanded to show to other people. Imagine the impact that we would have on the world if we showed love this way, right? This unconditional, redemptive love. Not a love that says, do this and I'll love you, but a love that pursues evildoers, pursues wrongs, chases those people down until we catch them and then blesses them and loves them. That's what God did with each and every one of us. That's what he's telling us to do with other people. Love first. Love first and love better. Trust God for the wisdom and courage to love. God, help me love this person the way that you love me. But then take a step of faith and do something about it. Show that person that you love them. Right? Christian love initiates. It also, come on, thing. Okay. If you can follow me, that'd be great. Christian love imitates. Verse 11 says, Beloved, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. Somebody asked a missionary, what's the best way to raise kids? And the missionary said, there's three ways, actually. Um, by example, by example, by example. That's the best way to raise kids, is what he said. And I think he was right. You know, as parents, we want to make sure we do a good job of raising our kids. And let me just say, parents, you're doing a good job, right? I, you, you guys are doing good. Good job. Um, but I want to make sure I'm doing a good job of raising my kid. Like, I'm Googling parenting stuff all the time. I don't know if that's good or bad, but like, I, I Google parenting stuff all the time. Right, but a, lot, a lot of it can be summed up by setting a good example for them to follow with our actions, our words, and our attitudes, the way that we behave, the things that we do, setting a good example for our kids to follow. The same can be said with how we love others. Um, Ephesians 5 Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is Paul's uh, just summation, his, his main point, the, the way he ends his discourse on how we are supposed to live as believers with the new life that Christ has given us. He tells us how, what we're supposed to do, and then he says, imitate God as his beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us. Do the way that Jesus did. We have to be different than the world around us, and the way we love has to be different than the world around us. Right? We're set apart. We're held to a different standard. And he says the way that we do this is to be imitators of God. God's love is the motive for our love for one another. Because of his great love for us, we show love for other people. As we grow in appreciation of God's love for us, our love for God and our love for others should grow as well. As you're spending time with him, as you're getting to know him, as you're experiencing him more, your love for other people should show. The way God loves people sacrificially, unselfishly, and completely 
provides an example for us to imitate. So those of us who, who have experienced God's love, we shouldn't be able to go back to a life of selfishness and greed. It should be impossible for us to go back to that. We should be living as the new creation that God has made us, imitating his love and being people who walk and live in love. Yes? Thank you. Christian love makes the invisible God visible. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Just as Christ came to reveal to the world what God is like, we as believers are supposed to be the visible manifestation of God on earth. What kind of example are you setting for people? How do you act, right? How do you behave? What do you say? How do you love others? How do you treat people who cut you off on the freeway? How do you talk to your spouse when you're mad at them? What do you show to your kids? How do you, like, all of this. Are you a good ambassador for Christ? And I think all of it comes down to how you love people. We are the body of Christ, right? We are his primary means of doing his work and accomplishing uh, the will of God on earth. When we come together in unity, when we demonstrate God's love, people can see that the Lord abides in us, that God abides in us. We make God visible by loving each other by loving those who are not yet a part of the body of Christ, right? We don't treat people who don't know Jesus differently. You love them too. Churches are often affected by hatred, by a lack of love, power struggles. We're really good at being fake, putting on the Christian face like we're good at it. Shaking hands, giving side hugs. Even praying for each other and then we turn around and stab them in the back when they're not looking. Look at somebody say, stop it. <laughs> when we act this way, it's not good. Jesus calls these kind of people whitewashed tombs, right? Which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear as people to be righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, right? But the, what are they doing? They're trying to play church. When we do that, we're just like them. Whitewashed tombs. We make the outside look good and presentable, but there's death and decay going on inside of us. Bring that to Jesus. Look, this is a place we want to help you with that stuff. We talk about things like this on Fridays, right? We get into each other's lives. We pray for each other. Like We will sit and talk and meet with you. Pastor Ken will help coach you through life. We do focused living. There's so many things that we can do, but you've got to let us know what you're dealing with. You've got to show us what's really going on inside. If you're struggling with this, if you feel like that's you in this whitewashed tomb and there's death inside and you're trying so hard to present well, but it's not working, let us know. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's learn how to do it together. Yeah? Okay, thank you. Mm. When we act this way, we create rivalries and dissension and disagreements and destruction. And something like this aisle isn't just an aisle, but it's a division between the person that we don't want to see or talk to or speak to or love. And we become self-centered rather than love-centered. 
right? If we don't truly love, we'll never be healthy. We'll never truly experience love, whether that's personal or experience growth, rather. Whether that's personal growth or corporate growth. Like I said earlier, people don't want to come to a church that's not loving. Now, I'll say again, I think we do a great job at it. So Jesus prays that his followers would be one and united just as he and the Father were united. Right? We can experience that unity and oneness by being imitators of God and his love by making him visible to the world around us. So if we love one another, God's love will abide in us. Right? John 15, Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you. And that's a great scripture and we know what it means, but you gotta remember the disciples when Jesus is saying this, they didn't have the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of the resurrection, of the full plan that Jesus had come to fulfill, right? So the disciples, one of whom is the author of this passage of scripture that we're reading today, they hear this and they probably have a basic understanding of what Jesus was saying. But in Luke 24, after Jesus was resurrected, he goes to his disciples and it says that Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures, understand what Jesus said. And so I, I could just imagine it's this moment where they're like, like their mind is blown, like they get it. All this stuff that Jesus has said, all these notes that they took, like it's finally all coming together and they're understanding. So they connect these dots, right? Jesus is one with the Father. I'm one with Jesus. This is proven by the Holy Spirit's indwelling in me, right? But the caveat is love. So we abide in Christ, right? But we can't do that if we're not people of love. You can't know God without it. So what we need to do to be able to abide in God is to love him and love his people, right? So we need to make love the place where we live, make it our dwelling place, dwelling in God's presence and his love and then taking that and bringing it to our relationships, to our workplaces, to our families, to everybody around us, to church, to the grocery store. Stop getting so mad at people and love them. What is our response to this? I got mixed up on this. Verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So our response to God in his love is to know it, to experience it, and to rely on it, to rely on his love to see us through, right? This is our, our proper response to who God is and how he loves. We're called to take the love and the grace that God gives us to know it, to experience it, to believe it. That's what fellowship with God is about, to know it, to experience it, to believe it. Like, I want you to know beyond anything else this morning that you are so deeply, deeply, deeply loved by God. Like so deeply loved. No matter what you've done, right? And when I preach and I get finished and I always say, I love you guys. Like, and I mean it. I'm not just saying it. Like, I genuinely love you. We, need, we, we, we all need more love in our lives. We need to experience more from the Lord from our relationships, but more than, we need to be people who show it, initiate but people respond to God's love differently, right? Sometimes we respond with this uh, self-superiority. Look how much God loves me. God speaks to me in these wonderful ways. He loves me so much, way better than you heathens. I'm the best. We respond with doubt sometimes. Can God even love me? Can God really love a person like me? Yes, he can, and he does. Some respond with wickedness. God loves me so I can do what I want. No, 
God wants us to respond by ex- experiencing his love, believing the love that he has for us. We have to know it and believe it. We have to know it and believe it. That sees us through some of the hardest times we go through in life, when we know that God loves us, when we believe that God loves us. Right? We need to consider what it would take for God to stop loving us. What does Paul say? Right? Nothing could separate him from the love of God that was in Christ Jesus. And we should have that same confidence that Paul had. I'm sure Paul had a lot of times in his life where he didn't feel like God loved him when he was shipwrecked, when he was in prison, when he was being whipped and beaten. But he got to a place where he experienced it, he knew it, and he believed it regardless of the circumstances around him. Charles Spurgeon said, to feel God's love is very precious, but to believe it when you do not feel it is the noblest. We have to get so so deep into God's love that we know it's there even when we don't always feel it, right? When Christina and I would argue when we were dating, every time we got in an argument, I thought she was gonna break up with me. Every single time, I thought, oh, this is it, right? But we got to a place where I stopped doing that and understood that she loved me and realized that even if there's an issue, we can work through that. It's not gonna make her stop loving me Right? But when it comes to the love that she has for me, which is amazing, she doesn't hold a candle to the love that God has for me, right? I've said this before. She's a fantastic wife, but a terrible savior. Right? The love that God has for you and I is so much greater than we can ever, than we can ever, ever imagine. And even when you don't feel it, I promise you that it's there. It's a love that drives out fear It's a love that lets us know we're safe and secure. It doesn't cause us to fear judgment or punishment, right? And that's what he says here, that that, that perfect love drives out all fear, that when we rest in the love that God has for us, we're free to be the people that he wants us to be. We don't have to worry about judgment day. Man, I used to get so scared about that. Like, what is it gonna look like? Am I gonna get to heaven and like, is the judgment seat gonna be like a YouTube of every year of my life and I do something bad and God's gonna pause it and go, really, Mike? I'm sorry. You know, like, but I'm not afraid. Perfect love drives out all fear. Live your life that way. Live your life as a person who experiences God's love and gives it freely to others. Stop doubting, stop fearing. Just live in it. Hmm. So how do we behave? With all this in mind, how should we behave? Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Some versions say we love him because he first loved us. But the original documents don't have the word him. It simply reads like it does here. We love, we love, say that, we love, love. right? We love because he first loved us. So who do we love? Who do you love? Are you sure? Yeah, everyone. It's not a fill in the blank. It's we love. Does it really matter who it is? If love should sacrifice, if love should initiate, if love should imitate the way God does, is there anyone we should not love? Is there someone that is unworthy of God's love? Is there someone that you hate so much that you refuse to show them the love of God? If the answer is yes, 
That's wrong. If love makes the invisible God visible, then is there someone you despise so much that you don't want them to know who God is? No. So we love. Because if you don't love God's people, you don't love God. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. For, if he, does, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is the litmus test. If you say, I love God, then that claim can be tested by the way you treat other people. Not just those that are close to you, but everyone. Right? The waiter in the restaurant who messed up your order and you yelled at. I'm not going to tip him now. Really? Person that's, oh, I'm so sorry. It's all right, man. You're just doing your job. Right? It can be be tested by how you treat people, how you love God's people. If you show hate, if you reject them, if you refuse fellowship with people, then your love should be questioned. And John would say, you're a liar. I love God, but I hate this person. Then you don't love God. He explains it very logically, right? If we don't love people who we can see, how can we love a God who we can't see, right? If people are made in the image of God, if people are the visible representation of God on earth, how can you say that you hate them but love God? You can't. You cannot. But it's easy to claim to love God when we really don't have we really don't do much. Like if, if, if the summation of your Christian life is church on Sunday, then sure, you can sit here on Sunday and say, I love God and behave however you want the rest of the week because you're only trying to get your life right one day for a couple hours. So it's easy to claim you love God when it doesn't really cost you much. The real test of a person's love is how you treat the people right in front of you. The person you drove here with this morning your kids, your friends, your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors, the people who have different color skin than you, the people who vote differently than you, and everyone in between. The Mormon who comes to your door wants to tell you about Jesus. What do you do? You mock them? Do you have a conversation with them? Do you show them love? Because you can't You can't love God while neglecting to love those who are created in his image. You can't. We've got to love better. We've got all of us, every one of us, we have to do a better job with this. Represent God well. Show people who he is by how you love them. That is how the world will know we are his disciples, by our love for one another. Not by how much scripture you have memorized. Not by how nice you dress. Not by the shoes that you wear. Right? By the way that you love people. Now, I want to say, I think all of us have, uh, all of us can improve in this area. So I don't want you to hear this message and be like, man, I'm not a good person. Like, because 
You are. You really are, right? I was, I was terrified to come to this church the first time I ever visited. I was terrified. I, I really stick out here. I don't know if you've noticed. I really stick out here. I was so scared the first time I came and visited, right? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm big. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm super white. Um, but I felt so loved and accepted the first time I came here. So much, right? I came here with Christina. Pastor Ken was preaching on tithing. And he was like, why are you here today? You were going to come next week. I'm like, because I wanted you to come when you weren't ready for me. Um, but I felt so loved by people. And I can, I can probably stay up here the rest of the day and talk to you about so many people in this room who have shown my wife and I so much love and care, right? So much. And so thank you for that. And you guys, New Life, we do a really good job with this. We do. But we can do better. We can love better, right? We can. And some of you, you need to spend some time with Jesus, get your heart right, and you need to make some relationships right. You need to ask some people for forgiveness, you need to forgive some people. You need to have some hard conversations. But you can do it. You can do it. Abide in his love. Live in his love. And then just love the way that Jesus does. Love first. Love sacrificially. Be an imitator of God's love. And when we do that, we're going to grow individually. We're going to grow corporately. And we're going to be a light that shines for people to see what Christianity is like and who God really is.